Hey everybody, I hope your Thanksgiving was good. This is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com, and I'm here with Eric Moline. How's it going? How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Good. Let's talk movies. Let's do. What it's are that movies? season. It is that season. Um, we've, we've been kind of lax lately, honestly. It's because I uh, haven't been able to make it out to a lot of them, and uh, I've missed a few screeners because of uh, an error in my uh, address change has kept me from getting a bunch of the big award movies, so... I've kind of been flying blind. But that's okay, because it looks like Lawrence is really behind when it comes to getting uh, award season movies. We don't even have The Descendants right now, no, which is opened be... wide yeah. uh, and is already in Kansas City, so it's kind of weird. It's a little little uh, odd, just because it's a Clooney movie, and anything with George Clooney ends up playing here. So It will eventually. It's just kind of weird that it's not here yet. Yeah. Well... In, in in the wake of the descendants, we can talk about it a little bit, but we are going to talk about the movies that are here right now. And uh, uh, you've got four that you really want us to talk about. I've only seen the trailers, so I'm just going to guess <laughs> what they actually are. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just just based on what I've seen. Okay. So, we've got, so you we've can got, give us the plot summary. We've got and Hugo, the, and whatnot, Muppets. Yes. We're going to hit the descendants really quick, and Melancholia. That's the last one. So, based on what I've seen, Hugo looks... It's Martin Scorsese's uh, first foray into 3D. It's a children's movie. Yeah. Um, not what I've seen. <laughs> it's a children's movie, and I think it is about this uh, little kid named Hugo that makes inventions and knows how to repair things really well, and he strikes up a relationship with Chloe Moretz, and... Um, it's revealed at the end of the movie that he's actually a highly advanced little robot made with gears and tiny <laughs> wires and you know they so must forth. they must really be pushing the robot angle uh, in all of the trailers um, because everybody that I tell uh, I try to describe that I, I tell everybody to go see this movie first wait off. is he it's, a robot no oh damn it's one of my that favorite was be so good it's one of my favorite movies of the year and I keep telling people uh, about it and the first thing they say is oh it's about the little kid that builds the robot and I'm like eh. No, actually, it's not. Um, what, 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 so they must be emphasizing that. But basically what it is is... It's a uh, love letter to cinema. It is. It really is. But, but Jude Law plays his father in some flashback scenes who's, who's already dead as the mm-hmm. movie starts. And uh, he was uh, a guy who fixed clocks okay. and all kinds of uh, machinery, uh, anything with moving parts. And so he did found, he build a robot and then he was killed by his own creation? No. Uh-huh. He found... That's a good guess, though. I think we're, you're going into like AI uh, Blade Runner territory. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he finds this automaton. Okay. It's not a robot. It's an automaton. Uh-huh. And uh, it was um, discarded. <clears throat> And in a museum and in disrepair, and so he took it home, and they decided they were going to try to fix it. Well, his father dies unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And, By the uh, thing that he created? No. <laughs> and uh, through a fire. Okay. And Hugo that happened ends up in a, a, a train station. This is in Paris in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Ends up in a train station with his drunk uncle, who is responsible for making sure the clocks run on time. Uh. The uncle disappears. Hugo's... Uh, still behind the scenes running everything, uh, you know, kind of on the back end mm-hmm. of the train station. And he discovers uh, this man who works at a, at a toy shop who turns out to be uh, one of the inventors of silent film. And that is Ben Kingsley's character, uh, George Melie. Melie. And uh, basically what happens is uh, we find out a lot about the automaton, mm-hmm. uh, its origins, uh, and what Melie did. And uh, in the meantime, they're trying to run he and, and Chloe Moretz, he being Asa Butterfield uh, mm-hmm. from The Boy with the Striped Pajamas. And he's, he's apparently going to be Ender in Ender's Game now. Yep. 
uh, he he's running from Sasha Baron Cohen the whole time, who provides a lot of comic relief as the um, uh, the office of the, the guy who runs the station, the, yeah. the the police guy in the station. What do they call that? I don't Borat. I don't know. I don't yeah, Borat. Him. Yeah. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's really funny. It's not a hundred percent a comedy though. What this movie really is is um, it 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 draws this parallel between the magic of movies mm-hmm. and our our dreams and and fantasies and and in that it really uh, I mean because it is so gorgeous to look at the cinematography is amazing the art direction. I mean, this is like top-notch stuff, yeah. and and uh, uh, the fact that he uses 3D uh, to actually, uh, you know, help the story, yeah. uh, especially with the amount of depth and the long tracking shots, you can imagine Scorsese is capable of uh, in this movie. For me, for my money, this is the best use of 3D I've seen since Avatar. That's what a lot of people are saying. James Cameron actually said that. So oh, did he? You're in good company. Nice. Um, and 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 Coraline. Those three movies really being the only three that I. would Thought were amazing in 3D, but but Hugo, uh, I think this is a film. It's adapted from Brian Selznick's uh, novel, mm-hmm. which is a um, lot illustrations, a lot of illustrations, very little text. So in that way, it is kind of like uh, telling the story with pictures instead okay. of words, or maybe a silent film. And there's that whole silent film connection. I think this is a movie for all ages. I don't think it's just for kids. I mean, I'm obviously not a kid. I enjoyed it greatly. And I think you're they're kind a, of a kid, kind of a kid at heart. Yeah, I think it works on a lot of different levels, and I think it's a very, very um, Scorsese film. I mean, this is a guy who has dedicated his life to film pres- preservation, and eventually, when we find out uh, who the Ben Kingsley character is, which is no surprise, it's in all the trailers and everything. Um, they, they, uh, this slant of the movie goes to you know preserving film and making sure that this legacy of of, of movies exists for future generations. I gotcha. So it's it's a really great movie. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Come, uh, I do. Big time. I do. Yeah. I think I think uh, it's probably going to get a best picture nomination. Cool. So, um, but I know that it'll it'll get uh, art direction and, and cinematography and all that kind of stuff as well. Great. So yeah, definitely uh, Rock Fist way up for Hugo. It's probably in my top five of the year. Wow. Um, all right, well then, th- to keep with the uh, children's movies that aren't really for children, let's talk about the Muppets. Um, <laughs> based on what I've seen, it looks like a giant nostalgia mine. Um, it is. You might as well just say, hey, remember the Muppets? <laughs> remember when you watched the Muppets when you were a little kid? And um, I, th- I saw some musical numbers in there. Uh, Chris Cooper plays an oil man, which makes me wonder how they fit that in. Tex Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that's that's about it. That's all I really. That's all. Well, I really you know had. the backstory with Jason Siegel. Yeah, should. yeah. He wrote he wrote it, and you know he got to yeah. It's it's like his baby. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it, and and uh, Brett McKenzie wrote all the songs. Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concord. Yep. He did a good job <clears throat> with the songs. Actually, yeah. it's it's one of the things where um, you 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 see this movie. It has it has all these strengths. Uh, uh, of, of Jason Siegel, Nicholas yeah. Stoller, the team behind Forgetting Sarah Marshall being the writers, mm-hmm. uh, the director being James Bobin, who did a lot of Flight of the Concords stuff, and Brett McKenzie, who is in Flight of the Concords, who wrote all the music for this movie. And, and these people really know what makes the Muppets tick. They have a firm grasp on uh, the fact that the Muppets are kind of anachronistic in that they are completely... 
earnest. Everything they do is, yeah. is earnest and they believe in, in the power of smiles and joy and all this kind of stuff. And that makes them kind of outcast. So the, the great thing about this script is really the setup mm-hmm. where Jason Siegel lives in this town in the middle of the country somewhere, somewhere called uh, – oh, God, what is it called? Small, I think it's just called Small Town. Mm-hmm. And his, his younger brother is a Muppet. Uh, and and his girlfriend is Amy Adams, and they all travel to L.A. to go to the the Muppet Studios, and they find it in a state of, of horrible disrepair. Chris Cooper is ready to take it over. Waldorf and Statler uh, are going to sign over the rights to the studio. <laughs> they own the studio. Well, they they're they're part of it, and and and. Uh, <laughs> And and they they find Kermit and the rest of the gang and they go around the country and they round them up and they tell them we got to raise two million dollars by this date, right? And so they have a telethon. That's the entire story. But the great thing about it is that um, that idea of of um, the Muppets' joy and innocence and mm-hmm. earnesty being really out of date. That comes in all the time. So they're making fun of what passes for children's entertainment this day or these days. There's a TV show called Punch Teacher uh, where they actually – kids punch teachers in the face. Uh, there, there's a, a, a Muppets tribute act called the Moppets. Yeah. And they're like you know hardcore yeah. uh, you know, gangster uh, uh, Muppets. And, and so they're really you know, pointing to that, that whole nostalgic thing. But, but they, got the, they got the tone right. So if they got the tone right, why did Frank Oz not want to be a part of it? It's interesting. Uh, I read a lot about that. Frank Oz said that he uh, didn't... I know, I know he didn't like the script. Didn't, didn't like the like script. Where the characters went. He yeah. didn't like that Kermit was rich, I guess, and the fart shoes that Fozzie had. Like, he didn't He didn't like the sort of... Those are joke. minor things. So yeah, I mean, he, the fart shoes, it he, was a little annoying because you don't, you don't think uh, 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 that the Muppets would be one to stoop to that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, but that's it for Fozzie. I mean, that's really it for the whole movie for that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you know, uh, Kermit has a, a mansion or whatever, but it's just, it's just where he lives. It lasts like a second it's and then they move on. Right. Well, I'm just saying it's, it's, they did get it right. I think okay. they got, um, the spirit of the Muppets immensely right. What, what they got wrong or what they couldn't get, uh, is they don't have the, uh, as many of the surviving puppeteers, as they could have gotten. And that does hurt the movie a little bit from the standpoint of if you're as old as I am and you remember uh, watching The Muppet Show and seeing some of the early Muppet movies, they haven't really been relevant since like 84. No. Uh, well, Muppet th- Babies carried them on until the like – Right. But I'm, I'm talking about – okay, so I'm talking about just at their peak maybe. Right, yeah, I understand. Uh, but these, these puppeteers who created these characters, it was very organic, right? So Frank Oz and Jim Henson and everybody, they would create a character and work on it for years. Mm-hmm. And when they showed up on the TV show or in a movie, they brought a lot more than just somebody running a puppet to the table. And so the fact that these aren't those people is noticeable. There's not as much uh, character funny stuff as there could have been. Yeah. It, it's just what's in the script. And they're right. just doing what they can with the script, which is completely formulaic. right? But there are some nice little touches and some asides. And like I said, the spirit is there. So now what I'm hoping is that with a successful reboot like this, uh, that they get some more people who understand why the Muppets are good, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they can bring somebody like Oz back in. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, those guys are, you know, 
they're pretty old. So I don't know. I'm I'm happy that they they did a good job with it, and I'm hoping this encourages people to uh, make Muppet movies the right way instead of the made for TV stuff that they've been doing in the you know in the 90s and and or in the 2000s or yeah. whatever. So they made theatrical. There was like I think Muppets they, from Space was the Muppets last one in space, '99. And then they, well, really in '99, yeah. I, I know they did a pirate one too. But uh, anyway. Doesn't matter. So let's move on. Then let's talk about let's, let's get into the serious movies now. Um, let's get serious. Let's get serious because Hugo and the Muppets aren't serious. Not at all. <laughs> Nothing serious about those, except for how much you love them. Apparently, no, I didn't love the Muppets. <clears throat> Here's the thing: is I'm giving it a good review. It's not a great review. I think there's a lot of ways it could have been better. Okay. I am excited to see the original song uh, um, about being friends or whatever on mm-hmm. the Oscars because that will get nominated, and no doubt from everything I've heard this year, it'll probably win. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I I know which song you're talking about. I know it's a good song. Um, all right. Well, then let's talk. Let's move on. Alexander Payne's yes. newest movie. Um, if you don't know Alexander Payne, Eric, please educate people who don't know who Alexander Payne is. Alexander Payne's uh, uh, popular films include Election, mm-hmm. About Schmidt, mm-hmm. and Sideways. Mm-hmm. And he also did a movie called Citizen Ruth. Of uh, which I enjoy one of those. I like all of his movies. I think he's one of our best. As far as like somebody taking over kind of this um, Woody Allen type, uh, um, he 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 understands the middle aged man better than anybody. Yeah. And I think um, Matthew Broderick's character in Election, Jack Nicholson, and about Schmidt, and Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church in Sideways are proof of that. Uh, in the Descendants, George Clooney is very much the same type of character. He's a middle-aged man. He's going through uh, a, a life crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his wife is in a coma, and his entire family is counting on him to uh, be in charge of their estate of this huge amount of land that they have. They live in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and they're getting ready to sell it. And everybody in the family, all these people, are going to make a lot of money off of this. And they put George – well, George Clooney is in charge of it uh, because he's the executor. And so he's the guy that has to make that decision. Both of these things are coming to a head in this film in a matter of days. And he's forced if, to deal if, with his, his if daughters. The trailer, if the trailer doesn't deceive me, he was also cheated on, right? Like his wife was unfaithful too. I can't believe they give that shit away in the trailers, man. That's like three quarters of the way into the movie. Yep. Or no, uh, maybe a half hour in. But yeah, um, that's why I don't watch trailers, folks, and neither should you. Um, anyway, yes, so that that does happen. And that, that complicates things even more. It's just a, another example of, of how Payne is able to take uh, what a normal script would just say, this is enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched this horrible movie the other day, Friends with Benefits, with Uh, Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. And they did the minimum amount of work required to make these characters jump through these stupid-ass hoops that you see in every single movie, Mm -hmm. right? Where they're friends with benefits, and then they actually fall in love, and then there's some dumb thing that pulls them apart, and they get back together at the end. So what Alexander Payne does... Uh, in his script so well is he'll take a, a, a formula, the standard kind of uh, uh, character who wakes up to what's going on in his life formula yeah. and just throw in the most absurd complications and somehow makes it work. Matthew Lillard pops up in this movie of all really? people. Yes. Lillard. And he's amazing. He's perfectly cast. And the moment I saw him, I was just like, really? And then the scenes with him are Great. They're so subtle. The humor in this is not over the top. I think the the previews are making it look like it's a more uh, broad yeah. comedy. Yeah. It's it's not. It is pretty subtle, um, but it's very funny and very uncomfortable. Um, and I think Clooney does a really good job of underplaying all this. Yeah. There are a couple scenes in the movie, one with Clooney and one with Judy Greer, 
uh, I love Judy Greer. Has a great, great supporting performance, a very small one. Yeah. Uh, where you see these people finally bust loose. And they finally let go with all the emotions that they've been, they've had pent up. And it reminded me of the scene in Sideways where Giamatti takes the big bowl of wine and just starts chugging it. And he's going crazy and he's so so angry. Um, the Descendants is a really good movie. Like I said, it is really subtle. But I think uh, Payne has his finger on the pulse of this kind of uh, you know middle-aged uh, crisis type thing. And, and nobody does watch. it better. I want to watch a, a middle-aged man in crisis. Hey, I relate to it more and more every year. Yeah. <laughs> There's one I'm afraid I can relate to more than I should. Uh, melancholia. That's the last one we'll talk about. Really? Are you? Are you? Do you suffer so, from depression? So we'll we'll go with um, we'll move on to melancholia. It's Lars von Trier's new yes. movie. Uh, there was a lot of controversy when uh, it debuted in at Cannes. Um, not because of the movie itself, but because of the press junket that either followed or took place before. I'm not sure. Right which. after. Right after, yeah. In which Von Trier made a really bad joke about how he's a Nazi. Or he said he could of a sympathize Nazi. with Nazis. And, yeah, he he really uh, just put his entire foot in his mouth. Then and dug his, a deeper his, hole. And then just kept going. And, yeah, let's mix metaphors. He put his foot in his mouth, and then he dug a hole. <laughs> <laughs> He's very he's very flexible. With his star Kirsten Dunst sitting next to him the entire yeah, time, hiding her, trying her really hands. hard to like, yeah, shut him down. And he's since said that he won't do any more interviews. Which yeah, right, he'll he'll do the next interview he can. Anyway, uh, Melancholia is about based on what I've seen trailer. It is about Kirsten Dunst's character is at um, she's at a wedding. She's at her wedding rather, and she's going to marry. Is it... Uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, Skarsgård. Yep. Um, she's going to get married. And uh, she... Let's see. Oh, hang on. I've got, I'm doing this off memory. Okay. So she's going to get married. And um, it turns out that it's revealed that there is a planet. A second planet the size of Earth hidden behind the sun. And it is on a collision course with Earth. Uh, there's nothing we can do about it. It's way too big. It's just going to destroy us. It's going to hit us like a bullet the size of a planet and shatter us into a billion little pieces and kill everyone and everything that ever lived on Earth. And from what I understand, um, there's two sisters. It's it's her and another sister. And once that news is sort of revealed, uh, Dunn's character is very sad and unhappy and everything up to that point. And then once she realizes that the inevitability of death is true for everyone and that this is bound to happen to us all, it's like their attitudes get switched and she becomes much happier and her sister becomes much sadder. Her sister is played by Charlotte Gainsbourg, who was the uh, star of Antichrist, his last right. movie. Yeah. Uh, again. But Antichrist. Oh, yeah, boy. I didn't like that one. No, but it, it was rough. But it was really interesting. Rough. It was interesting. So uh, here's the deal. Again, too much information in the trailer. Um, I can't believe that they show this kind of stuff. Uh, you're 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 partially right. Basically, uh, going into this wedding, which is shot with his kind of uh, normal uh, dogma style handheld camera yeah. uh, and that kind of thing. If uh, you're of not course, into shaky cam, and if you're not into that, yeah, that kind of raw style of his, yeah, it's 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 always a it's always an adjustment. Uh, it's a big adjustment in this movie because the the movie actually begins with um, with a Wagner symphony and these uh, slow motion, basically still shots of uh, impressionistic views of what the apocalypse is going to look like. 
Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. The the, the beginning for this movie uh, rivals the first uh, twenty minutes of, of Tree of Life for me. I knew you were gonna say. Uh, so anyway, so you're you're you you go from that to this very realistic handheld uh, uh, version of her wedding at this big opulent mansion, uh, which Kiefer Sutherland uh, owns. He's the husband of Charlotte Gainsbourg. They're very well off, and they've put on this wedding for her. But but what people know about the planet is simply this. It's on its way, it's coming, and astronomers have said it's going to miss us. Oh. So there is no fear of impending doom with anybody at the at the wedding party except for Charlotte Gainsbourg's character who's completely obsessed with it. So uh, what the problem is is that Kirsten Dunst's character, she's very mentally ill. <laughs> she, is a, she is not a normal person, and the way that they reveal... Uh, her eccentricities throughout this uh, first half of the movie, it's divided into two halves uh, for each sister, right. uh, is amazing. Like I and I, I almost don't even want to talk about it, uh, and I'm sad that there are previews that exist because uh, the way her character is revealed is so skillful and so uh, rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, this is this is his best character stuff since uh, Breaking the Waves. Oh. No, since Breaking the Waves. I think Bjork that was kind of an, uh, an archetype of a character, but. Um, uh, this is this is a very uh, very well put together film, especially in that first half. And Dunst's performance is revelatory. Like I've never seen her be this real before and this convincing in a film. Wow. Uh, then the movie uh, uh, splits into half and goes to uh, them still at the mansion and everything. Charlotte Gainsbourg character, character then becomes the focus, and uh, you can see that. Uh, her husband, the scientist, mm-hmm. Kiefer Sutherland, the rich scientist, keeps assuring everybody it's coming close and it's going to miss us. But Gainsbourg is completely obsessed. She thinks the end of the world is coming and, and she's mothering uh, – she, she's been mothering her sister throughout the entire first film so she could get through her wedding. And now she's worried about her family and her son. Whereas Dunst is completely depressed. She's going through this horrible thing in her life and when she decides – it isn't going to miss us. It's probably going to hit us. Her life gets better. She starts to realize the inevitability of this and that it's all going to end for us any day, so it might as well happen now for her. And she helps her sister kind of accept that. So it's a comedy. It is not a comedy. But there are funny moments in it, especially in, in the wedding thing. The way that uh, Dunst torpedoes her own wedding is memorable, for sure. Really? Yes. It's very dark and very funny. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, especially for being such a badass uh, woman killer on True Blood, uh, to playing this much of an ineffectual uh, loser, a guy who who has no idea what kind of a woman he's actually marrying. His attempts to uh, to to stay in her good favor and and pretend that their life together is going to be great are really funny. Yeah. So it's a really good film. I think Melancholia is probably uh, Von Trier's uh, best film since Dancer in the Dark, which was. Yeah. Uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. So um, I highly recommend this movie. Um, you know, it does flag a little bit in the second half because the first half is just so good and packed with stuff, uh, packed with lots of rich how, how characters. How long is it? Like, how do, the, how do the halves break down? I think it's two hours. I'm not, I'm not it's 100%. Not it didn't, it, uh, I, I don't remember, but um, yeah. And so, you know, and then a lot of people will have problems with its science. And I can see that. I'm not a freaking scientist. Yeah. But the way it goes down in the film, it's not a worldwide plague. We're at one mansion, which mm-hmm. has a huge golf course. It's isolated. We're with these characters and nobody else. 
We don't look at the rest of the world. We're not interested in the rest of the world. It's, it's completely a metaphor for his own depression. Lars von Trier was going through uh, a very serious depression at the time. Uh, and had the two movies that he wrote to get himself out were Antichrist and this movie, Melancholia. Yeah. And this one actually has a little bit of hope in it. And, and the, thing that, the other thing that it has is the idea that one woman's trash could be another woman's treasure. Yeah. Or one person's, right? So... Uh, you know, not everybody's going to react to the same thing the same way. Uh, it's a really, really smart, engaging film, and it's it's going to be in my top five of the year. Really? Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And that's on Video On Demand, right? The now. reason we're talking about this, yeah, finally, at the end of this review, it's been on Video On Demand for three weeks already, so you can find this anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to find. I think you can even watch it online right now. Yeah. So It's available um, on, I mean, you can, God, you can watch it on your Xbox. Yeah, and it's been in Kansas City for uh, a couple weeks now. I'm assuming it'll probably come to Liberty Hall at one point. But yeah, it would make sense to be there. If you're a serious uh, fan of cinema and you've even heard of Lars von Trier, it's it's uh, it's exciting to to have him make a, a such a solid movie after such a long time. Yeah, see, I, I I got into him right right when he hit that sort of rough spot. I didn't really, you know, like I didn't like Andy Christ at all. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really daring, but it was more just like, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> what was happening? When it was over, I was I was just kind of like, what did I get myself? What did I just subject myself to? Very graphic, very troubling, yeah, <laughs> very violent in in very uncomfortable ways. An almost Cronenberg obsession with tormenting the body and you know that kind of thing. Um, anyway, uh, two movies now that are at Liberty Hall are Anonymous. The uh, I secretly wrote all of Shakespeare's plays movie. Directed by Roland Emmerich, the director of 2012. The best disaster movie ever. Independence Day. The second best disaster movie ever. And 10,000 B.C. The third... Uh, no. Yeah. So just, just so you know that going just, in. That's just so kind you of, know. This, <laughs> that's why it's funny it's showing at Liberty Hall. Yeah, that is kind of funny. The other movie is uh, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Which neither of us have had a chance to see. You got a screener in, you lucky dog. I've gotten promotional materials, but I haven't gotten any screeners yet, so I haven't gotten a chance. But uh, Buzz is great. Everyone loves John Hawks. Everyone loves uh, the Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, everyone loves Elizabeth Olsen, the third Olsen sister that they hid in the attic for years. She's gonna get an Oscar nomination for this movie, as will Kirsten Dunst for Melancholia. All right. I, I believe you. I really I want to see both of their performances. I've heard great things. And actually, Young Adult is going to screen sometime soon. That uh, how about last night? <laughs> Young Adult is going to screen again sometime soon. Oh, it was good. It was. Yeah, I hate you. I, hate I related you so to much. many things in it. Uh, great. But we'll just have to leave it at that. Anyway, that for if you don't know, it's Jason Reitman's new movie with uh, Charlize Theron, um, and that's all I'll say about it. So anyway, we'll be back, uh, if not next week, a couple weeks from now with our big rundown of the remaining movies of the season and our, be big. Our, our early picks yeah. for the Oscars. So yeah. it's, gonna, it's probably going to be a two-parter. So Trevin's going to watch a lot of movies between now I'm gonna and then. Watch, I'm going to come into work on Monday just pale and just depressed. My eyes are sunken in. I'll have, I'll have seen Melancholia, um, Shame, Shame, The Descendants, uh, the Descendants uh, God, it would be in a good mood. Uh, yeah, everything. I'll have seen Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Um, what are the other ones? Uh, Take Shelter. I'll have seen that. Take um, Shelter is amazing. That's yeah, another everyone, one of my favorites. Um, if, if we've got it, I'll see The Artist. 
Um, There's a screening of the artist yeah. next week. But oh, no, I don't think we're going to get a screener. And um, I'll ask you about it now, just because it's coming out soon, and I want to know. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes. Did you see it? Yes. How was it? No comment. All right. Well, I'm gonna. We're gonna end the podcast, and then he is gonna comment <laughs> one way or the other. I'm not letting him out of here until I know more about it. This has been the Scene Stealers podcast with Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com and Eric Moline from ScenesTealers.com. We're gonna take off. Have a good weekend, and we will see you next week. <laughs>